This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, how many have enjoyed the first two weeks of our next series? How many have got something out of it? Awesome. Um, I'm ready for number three. Are you? Good. Um, I, uh, I'm excited. Anyway, this is something that, um, that I personally believe in probably more than, than most things. I believe in a lot of things, but this one floats my boat personally. It gets me excited. Uh, I've had a phenomenal week with regards to this topic alone as I've seen God move through our young people um, but for those that maybe have missed the first two weeks, I just want to give a couple of quick overviews, foundational statements, so we can kind of move forward into week three. When we talked in week one, we talked about next not necessarily being an answered prayer or a miracle or supernatural breakthrough, although we believe in that and we love to see them. Hello, right? Um, but what we're talking about is an attitude of faith. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of faith that says, I'm moving forward. It says that I'm getting out of the boat. It says that I'm crossing over. It's, it's got this attitude that says, I'm just moving on. And I'm moving forward into the things that God has for me. We actually shared last week about Colton's testimony. And I just, I'm going to call this from now on Colton language. I'm not going to call it next language. I'm calling it Colton language because it was off the charts what he said to his mom in a devotional time. Uh, Last week we talked about, or the first week we talked about the next level, and we defined it as the faith to pursue things and to allow things to unfold at God's pace. In other words, we understood that there was a faith component of trusting God's ways, and there was a trust component in trusting God's timing. Right? How many know that we like things to be unfolding uh, unfolded at our time and in our way? And unfortunately, God very rarely does that because He wants to work something in us that is so much deeper, so much bigger, um, and He wants something to to last for all eternity. That's why we talked last week about this thing called stages. We talked about the journey and the process of stages is designed to shape us, to, to literally teach us things and to teach us lessons so that we can get over our nevers and encounter our next. How many believe that our days of never is over? Amen? Amen. Well, this week, I want to talk about the next generation. And I get excited because my entire ministry uh, life has been about the next generation. When I was 18, I became the children's leader, pastor, director uh, in the church that we grew up in. And for three years, uh, well, actually, really for six years, I was heavily involved, but for three years, I was involved with one other guy overseeing that ministry. Um, and I tell you, children just get something in you. Kids get something in you because they're not tainted by life. They're not tainted by the disappointments and regrets of life. And you see something in kids that you'll never see in adults, and don't take that the wrong way. Unless you're big children like Joel and I. You know what I'm saying? And then you see it in abundance every day, and our wives wish they didn't. Right? But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But then when we were at OCC and we had gotten married, we took over and actually started the young adult ministry at OCC. We're young adult leaders, pastors for a number of years. And I can honestly say some of the best years of my life. And I'm excited because starting this past fall, we we got involved with young adults again. And I just feel like I'm coming alive. 
And, and I'm, I actually had, a, I won't get into details because it's obviously between her, but Morgan and I and Sandra met this week for lunch and we sat there and listened to Morgan and I came out of there going, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in her life. But most importantly, thank you, Lord God, for just fanning a flame in my heart that I haven't felt in a while. Sometimes you get so caught up with busyness and doing that you miss the simplicity of being. The simplicity of hearing. The simplicity of just trusting God in those moments. And I tell you, and then we came, that was Wednesday at lunch. Then I came Wednesday night and I saw Stuart light up the prayer room with prayers that had me shaken and bouncing because of the boldness uh, in which he prayed. And I look around the room and I look around our young people and I go, man, God is doing something awesome. But we have to have an intentionality about the next generation because you know what? If we don't have an intentionality about the next generation, then we're one generation from extinction. We're one generation from ineffectiveness. We're one generation from not reaching someone for Christ. And I don't know about you, but when we pour into the next generation, it's amazing how the next generation just finds a way to pour into you. It's reciprocal. It goes, both, it goes back and forth. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited about it. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18, it says this. Since my youth, God, you've taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. Has anyone heard of a guy by the name of Darvis Patton? Nobody. Okay, this is good. That's good. And don't Google it. <laughs> Darvis Patton, many of you will probably never know this guy, will probably never hear of him again and never think of him again. But he was, if I can say it like this, he was infamous because he was the third leg of the U.S. 4 by 100 meter relay in the 2011 World Championships in uh, Beijing. What did he do? He messed up the baton exchange. And the fourth guy dropped the baton because the exchange did not go well. And not only did they not even medal, they didn't even finish the race. And I came out of that thinking to myself, that whole six months leading up to that moment, if you can go back and even look at the news channels and the, and the, and the different reports and the interviews that came out, it was a showdown be between the U.S. and Jamaica. Everyone knew it. It was going to be one-two. Gold, silver was the Americans and Jamaicans. It was just a matter of who was going to come first. And the Americans came last. And they got a DQ because they didn't even finish. They dropped the baton. Something went terribly wrong in that exchange. Years of preparation gone in one second. And it's sad to me, but there's something that I was kind of driven to uh, with this concept of the next generation that really ties this whole thought in perfectly. It's Judges chapter 2, verses 7 down to verse 12. And it is literally talking about the last chapters of Joshua's life and the exchange, if I can call it that, to the next generation. And I want you to listen to this this morning. Starting at verse 7, it says, The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at wherever, in the hill country of wherever, north of wherever. And after that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors 
Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Interestingly enough, in this scripture, it never actually says what went wrong. It actually doesn't say where the, 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 the baton drop was. But something went terribly wrong between the third and the fourth leg. Between the third and the fourth generation. It caused a crippling effect on the next generation. Can I say this morning, the most important thing that we can do, whether it be for our natural children or for our, our spiritual children that we've won to Christ, the best thing that we can do for them is to, uh, is to pass the baton of faith really well. Really well. Because when we do that, we have generation after generation after generation of blessing. Some people say, well, I, you know, I'm, you guys may think, hey, I'm a teenager. How can I do that? Well, there's people younger than you. Reach somebody. Get into your high schools. Reach somebody. Get into your public schools. Reach somebody. Tell them about Christ. Give off what you've learned. Some people say, I don't know much. That's okay. You know something. So give away that, what you've got. I don't have much. That's okay. I've said that for years, and God kept saying, just give away what you got. It's amazing that the more you give away, the more you get back. And the more you get back, and the more you give away, the more you get back. And then the more you give away, and the more you get back. And it's just this reciprocal process. And I've seen so many believers that have been stuck in this rut that says, well, I'm just going to stay here where it's comfortable. Because... I just don't know what's outside of that. I don't know what's around the, the outside of that realm. And I say, you know what? When God shows you something, when God does something in your life, and God's teaching you something, give it away. Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Be like that sponge that takes water in and then rinse it out and get everyone wet all the way around you. Because you know what? It is an incredible privilege and honor to be able to bless the next generation. It's an honor. How many know that it's okay sometimes when we think of sports, and it's okay sometimes when you get, you get turned from a player into a coach? It's okay. We see that as negative. The cool thing is, is God doesn't just do coaching. He does player coaches. So you get to be out on the ice with them. You get to be out on the field with them, but you're giving away more than you're actually doing in that sense. And by doing, you're giving away. God's heart is for us. Psalm 145, verse 4, it says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. There's an Old Testament prophet, poet, worship leader, singer that very few people have ever heard of. His name was Asaph. He wrote a number of books in the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 78, he writes some incredible thoughts on the concepts or the context of the next generation. I just want to read this this morning and then share some thoughts regarding that. It says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you in hidden lessons from our past. He, lo he listened to last week's sermon. Hidden lessons that God wants to show you from your past. I will teach you those hidden lessons from your past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. 
We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know Him. Not hear about Him. Not be like a a crazed celebrity fan that thinks they know all about Him, but really just reads the National Enquirer about Jesus and that's all they know. So the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will, be, uh, they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. There's three reasons why it's important that we pass on that generational baton of faith to what is next. First thing that it actually captures in this, in this passage beautifully. Verse 6, it says that they would know Him. They would know those truths. They would know about Him. They would know everything about Him. Not just what He does, but most importantly, know His ways. Know His heart. How many have ever been frustrated because you know the answer someone's giving to you, but they never ever bothered to explain why? Why that decision was made, or why this happens, and you're sitting there going, man, I just feel like I'm missing something. They just didn't explain what God did. They explained why He did it. So that they could know His ways. So that they could know His heart. So that when they passed that information on to the next generation, it wasn't a story. It wasn't this this factual experience that they could rhyme off in order, in chronological order, so that someone could understand the significance of it. No, they explained it in such a way that it literally gave away the very heartbeat of heaven for humanity. Sandra and I have some friends of ours um, over in Sweden, and he's a Messianic Jew. We spent four days, it was a four days with them back in 2000 when I was first kind of meeting Sandra's family and meeting the relatives and meeting the friends, and we drove across, the, across Sweden to go visit them. We stayed with them for four days, and uh, I observed in four days a lifetime worth of lessons. Because you know what this man did? He told stories all the time. And it was stories about God's goodness in so many different ways and in so many different forms. All the time. He just kept repeating it. And it, and it was awesome because there was, a, there was a gentleness, there was a compassionate response, but, but it was in the way that he told the story that really spoke to me. Because he's told a story in such a way that it wasn't about facts. It was about faith. It was about the heart. How many know that you can give somebody information, but when you know God, it's revelation? God doesn't want you to just give away information, even though that's good, it's helpful, but what He wants you to give away is the revelation, the revealed heart of God to humanity. When we see that, when we do that, everything changes. I remember many, many years ago, God spoke to me about some things that I was going through in my life, and there was a quote that somebody had given me. It stuck with me for years. I'm going to say it to you this morning because it was something that I didn't get at the time. 
and I feel like God wants us to get this, is simply this. You cannot impart what you don't possess. You cannot impart what you don't possess. You cannot give away what you don't have. Right? You can't give to the next generation what you don't personally have in your life. And so if I can encourage you with one thing today, go to the next level in your faith. Go to the next level in what you believe. Go to the next level in your understanding of God's Word. Because when we push through and we press on to that next level in our own lives, then guess what starts to come out of our heart? Guess what starts to come out of our mouth? This excitement about God's plan, God's heart, God's ways. Psalm 103, I don't have the verse off the top of my head, but it literally says, and God revealed His acts to the nation of Israel, but His ways to Moses. I don't know about you, but I want to know his ways. I want to know his heart. I don't want to just write a historical book about what God did. I want to live it. I want to be in the book. I want to be part of the readings. I want to be part of the chapters that are being written. And you know what I see with this generation that's coming up? I see a group of people that are living the chapters of God for their life. And as we get older, sometimes we just sit, we, we would rather sit back on our comfy lazy board chair at home and just read the chapter about someone else's life rather than get off our lazy boy and into the game. And I'm telling you, guys, I want to encourage you guys, young people, youth, all you people, I heard about an incredible night on Friday night at youth. It was off the charts. And I come away from that and I go, there's something getting really excited in my heart. I'm getting so excited. Why? Because I see a generation that is pursuing God, and they don't give a royal rip what anyone says. They're going to pursue God, and they're going to give their lives for God, and they're going to literally just abandon their hopes, their dreams, all those things just to serve God. I encourage you guys with something. Go, go take them out for coffee. Seriously. Go pick someone before you leave today and go take them out for coffee and just say, tell me what God's doing in your life. You'll come out of listening to it for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. It doesn't matter. Just let them talk. Listen to them and hear the heart of God that is on display in their lives. Because something is happening with this next generation that is crying out and burning for revival. And they're not going to quit until they see it. Something is happening right now. We need, their, we need that generational influx right now. We need something in us to say, this generation is going somewhere. We're going to go with them. And we're going to cheerlead them on as they're going. We're going to get our pom-poms out. And we're going to cheerlead them on into that next place. Amen? Amen. Interestingly enough, um, it doesn't say this concept of the next generation might know. Um, but it's, just not, it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. How many know that having a Bible reading plan is awesome, going through it is awesome, but it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. The, the second part of this this, of this passage that really is so good about next generational thinking is it just doesn't say so the next generation might know. It also says that they should set their hope in God. Not their hope in circumstances working out. Not their hope in things to change before their very eyes so that God could prove themselves. Their hope has got to be fixed on Him. Not on yourself, on Him. The phrase that God has just been stirring in my heart this week is, who is the object of my faith? Second part of that is, who is the sustainer of my faith? Now, we all know the answer. We can easily quote it verbatim. But in practicality, in everyday life, the way that we live, the way we work, the way we relate, the way we parent, the way we be friends, is Jesus the object of our affections and our faith?
The third point is in verse eight, and it talks or verse seven and eight, and it talks about that the whole result of passing on to the next generation, doing it well, is that the next generation would keep his commandments. How many um, have turned on your TV, you know, turned on your mobile device, your smartphone, your tablets, your Apple products, which I won't mention names, and uh, have turned those things on, and you've looked at the news, and you've seen another report of truth not being declared, of people living in confusion, and of people not knowing what's right, wrong, left, right, up, down, whatever. How many of you have ever read that? Okay. How many would come to the realization that in our culture right now, 2017, Canadian culture, North American culture, worldwide culture, that there's a whole bunch of people living in confusion? There's a whole bunch of people living without definition. So what we've done is we've redefined certain topics or certain ideas in order to fit our culture. When truth is absolute... Truth does not change as a result of time. Truth does not change as a result of, of, of culture. It doesn't, it doesn't change as a result of what Madonna would want to say uh, at some sort of podium yesterday. It doesn't change because some celebrity stands up in front of a big crowd and declares something. It doesn't change. Why? Because God's truth is eternal. Why? Because God never changes. So what we are doing successfully when it comes to the next generation is when we pass the truth onto them. Not a concept of the truth. Not my version of the truth. Not a watered-down cultural version of it. But the truth. Why? Because the truth sets people free. The truth is what sets people free. We've got this mixed-up idea, and I just want to say this from my observations of having lots of cool conversations uh, with a lot of these young adults for the last year and a half. There's this misnomer out there that says they don't want truth. And I'm not referring to our guys, but just cultural in general. There's this misnomer that says young adults don't want truth and they just want to live whatever way they want to live. And you know what I'm realizing? There's a, there's a generational frustration coming out of this group that says enough's enough. Would you give me the real? Give me the real! I don't want this stuff. This stuff has got no value. It, 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 it's, it's like over in a minute. I don't want that. You see a frustration, if I can say this, a holy discontent coming out of this generation. Coming out of the millennial generation that's saying enough's enough. I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense. Everything you're telling me doesn't line up. So what are we doing? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass that baton of faith well. We're going to pass it with truth. We're going to pass it with grace. We're going to pass it with all those things so that this next generation is going to grab a hold of the heartbeat of God so that they can pass it on to the next generation. So that that generation can pass it on to the next generation. And then that generation will pass it on to the next generation. Sandra showed the kids, I don't know if it was Friday, I think it was Friday, Friday night. Uh, do you have your Bible with you there? Or you got the other one? You have your other one, Okay. Sandra has in her big study Bible that she has at home, um, she has locked in the middle of her pages of her Bible a picture of her grandfather. Her grandfather, who was raised in Finland, was a Pentecostal pastor. Her father was a pastor and a missionary who later became a doctor. But she always takes it out, and she showed the kids on Friday night and just said, you know what, there's a legacy here. There's a legacy that you guys get to live out. Why? Because my grandfather made a choice. 
and their generations before them made a choice. Now, Sander is a pastor. Talk about an incredible legacy. Grandfather, father, daughter. And I look at my kids. No pressure, guys. (laughs) And you know what? I can't help myself. I look up at the stage and I go, why can't we be the family Von Jeff's family singers? (laughs) Why can't we have Hannah on that piano? Josiah on drums. Caleb on bass. Gracie just doing interpretive dance because that's what she knows what to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that's, that's Gracie all day long. It's like, just put music on. There she goes. And Abigail, of course, would have to play the cajon because she doesn't, she can't, she's not big enough to actually hit it with her hands, so she uses her feet. She just kicks it all day long. She kicks it. But I look at that and I go, why not? Too many of us look at the next generation and say, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, what did you do? And he looks down and goes, then what have you done? Pass it on to the next generation. Believe in them, irregardless of what you see with your natural eyes. Call forth the destiny and the purpose of God in their life. And don't be someone that discourages them from that, but be the first person on the front lines cheerleading them on. Don't speak out of hesitation. Speak out of faith. Because we're not passing a baton of hesitation. We're passing a baton of faith. Amen? Don't drop the baton. Don't be like Darvis Patton. Don't be like that guy. Don't drop the baton. I want to come back to the verse that we actually started with the very beginning of the year, January 1st, prior to the next series. I want to read a different version of Isaiah 43 in the Message Bible. It says this, This is what God says, The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and they can't get up, they've snuffed out like so many candles, forget about what's happened, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't keep going over old history, be alert, be present, and I love this, I'm about to do something brand new. Brand new. Not a recopied version of the old. How many have ever had, uh, you know, received gifts for birthdays or Christmas and it was the gift that kept re-giving? And you received it and you thought, I just feel so loved. <laughs> I just, I was so loved. I just feel so appreciated. You know, he's about to do something brand new. Can I say this morning, God is not done with you. God has not forgotten about you. He hasn't put you on the shelf. God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And part of that plan is to think generationally. Amen? But the one thing that I've kind of gone through, even in myself, and it's been, I've had a really cool week as far as a lot of cool God moments that God's been showing me as a result of our young adults that have been saying things, sharing testimonies, and inspiring me to think. And the one thing I've kind of come away from this whole week has been this that I cannot get stuck into an old way of thinking when we're doing with, dealing with a new generation. I can't get stuck. Now, if, 
if it's about truth of God's word, get stuck for the rest of your life. Right? So I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about how do we relate to the next generation? How do we engage the next generation? How many know that they have a passion and they have a heart for God? That's, that's absolutely obvious and it's irresistible. But the way that they think and process things is different than our generation. That's okay. I think that's awesome. Because it teaches us, you know, this, this old cat some new tricks. But we need that. The generations are incredibly important. We need an old, uh, uh, to do away with our old mindset and, and capture a new one. How many remember flip phones? How many remember that it took 37 minutes just to text a three-word phrase? And that you actually go, had to go one, two, three just to get to the letter you wanted? It's like, oh, this is driving me nuts. It's taken an hour just to say, honey, I'll grab the milk on the way home. So then you get to the point, I'm not even texting. What's the, what's the point of texting when it took 37 minutes just to text three words? How many are thankful that we don't have to do that anymore? Right, okay, all right, that's good. How many wish more people called instead of texted? Next thought. <laughs> I want you to see something. Moses in Egypt, here's what happened. God fought the battle. God provided the food, manna. Joshua in the promised land. Israel had to use their sword. And Israel had to get the food. And we look at it and we go, I like the Moses version better. But Moses never saw the promised land. So if our reliance is, God, if you do and you do, then I'll be good. God is saying, it's time to go to another level of thinking. It's time to go higher. Can you fight for battles that God has already declared to you that he's already won? And will you fight them because you know you're fighting not just for a person, but you're fighting for the very truth of God's word? Can we go out and go after it? What's the, word, what's the food represent? The Bible, the word, the revelation of God? Will we, are we willing to go after it and go get it? Very, very famous uh, passage in the Bible, Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. And it's talking about wineskins. And for those that don't know your uh, kind of ancient history, wineskins were things that were carried and used uh, to carry uh, any type of drink. Uh, it was most famous for carrying wine. Um, there was something about those skins that was able to expand and to hold the wine. But the problem was, is the moment those, those wineskins became old and brittle, what actually happened was, is as soon as that new wine was put into those old wineskins, there would be uh, that, that brittleness of that old wineskin would literally break and all of the wine would drop right out. It would come out the seams. It would come out of all these different places. I want to read this passage. It says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or old wineskin. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. For if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Can I, can I share my personal observation from uh, 38 years of church history that I've personally grown up in and have witnessed firsthand for years? Churches that have a mindset of generational thinking are very successful. Churches that get stuck in how it's always been because this is what we're comfortable with, die. 
They may not die physically as in shut the doors of the front doors down, but they die spiritually because there's no generational concepts. I love the fact that we had, I don't even know how many, we had Stuart, we had Emily, we had Meg. You know, how many people were on that stage that were under the age of 30? Four this morning? Last week it was four? Five? The week before Lucas? I look at that and I go, that's awesome. That is awesome. We got people serving. We got, you know what, half the people that are serving right now in the kids' classes are all under the age of 25. Taking care of your children. All but one. Thank you, Colleen. All but one this morning are under the age of 25. Isn't that awesome? Here's people that said, I want to serve in the house of God because this is God's house. That's off the charts awesome. I want you to catch something in this verse, though. It does not say that we miss what God wants to do. It says that we can lose what God wants to do. We can lose it. It can fall out. It doesn't say we'll miss it. It says we lose it. Why do we lose it? Because we can't change. We can't make the adjustment. We can't be adjusted. Right? So if I can say this morning, one of the things that I've been coming away from this whole week is I've got to change my thinking, not my theology, not the truth, but my thinking so that I can handle the new wine of God. And we have to, if I can be honest, and mom, you can probably confirm this. How many people that mom, you and I have run into over the last umpteen years that say, oh, remember when the move of God happened at King Street in January of 1997? Woo! I wish it was like the good old days. And I go, God loved those days but he's interested in something that's now so that he can get you to what's next. Stop living in what's behind because the moment we live in what's behind, we get comfortable and we don't give it away to the next generation. We hold it to ourselves because it's precious. And God says, give it away. Give it away. Can I encourage you guys, queens, young adults that are here today? There was an event, I can't remember, I think it was November. The Praise and Power in November, I think was was a good one. And they're all good. But there was something special about the November one. Would you guys agree? Don't live in November. Believe God that He's going to show up in power tonight. Zoe, believe God that the Spirit of God's going to come on you as you play that bass tonight. And something's going to happen. And something is just going to happen that's going to shake the very foundation of Bethel Church tonight. Do you believe that? Do we as a church believe that, that the foundations of Bethel Church are going to shake tonight because 150 young people are going to be in that place worshiping God and saying, God, we put you first. And we're going to believe not in the November experience, but we're going to believe in the January 22nd, 2017 experience. It's so better. It's so much better. November's awesome. January's better. How do I know? Because my birthday's in this month. Come on. Right. I know God's favorite month is January. He tells me all the time. Kidding, that was a bad one. But let's believe God. Guys, believe God. I don't, I don't know what you guys, the plan is tonight, but go early and pray. Guys, I want you to, uh, in between all the football games, okay, come on now. Um, let's go Steelers. But in between the football games, guys, take some moment as a family, especially for those that work on Queens campus, because we have a ton of them in this church. Take five, ten minutes this afternoon and pray that God would show up tonight with such power and such significance that their lives will be transformed forever and ever and ever and ever. And I've got to hurry. I've got lots of stuff to do here. Come on, Lord Jesus. There's three things that we need to do 
to change our old wineskin, our old way of thinking, in order to think new so that we can be effective in passing the baton of faith to the next generation. First one is this. We have to transition from seeing the example to being the example. I remember there was, can I just be honest for a second? How many know that the, the first thought that every one of us has is why can't someone else do it? Why didn't they just ask them? And what happened in that Joshua generation, which is still a wonder to me how that didn't pass on to the next one, but something in that Joshua generation said, just give me the, just give me the baton, man, I'm ready! Caleb, give me, the, give me the mountain. That was his heart. He was old. He still said, give me the mountain. That's the most rugged terrain of the whole thing. Give it to me. Something shifted because they stopped and they said, you know, I just don't want to sit back and see the examples around me. I want to be the example. The problem is, is being the example means you've got to change certain things. Being the example means you've got to go higher in God. Being the example means you're going to pray. Being the example means you're going to put God first in everything that you do. Being the example means you're going to make decisions in your life and in your business and different things that are, may not make sense to someone else, but man, does it ever make sense to God. And you're not concerned about what those people are going to say because out of that, that transition in your heart is going to come a testimony that you're now going to pass on to the next generation. People have heard our stories about the things that God has done. And you know what I say? You know why we can do that? Because we had people over us that were telling us stories about their faith. And we would come away from those meetings and go, I'm so excited about what God's doing. I want to go do it. I, at one point, they had to put reins on me because I was out of control. It's like, whoa, down, just slow down. I'm like, I don't want to slow down. The world's going to hell, and they got to know. Something happened in me that said, I'm not going to sit back and just continue to see the example. I want to be the example. remember saying years ago, I said, Holy Spirit, set me on fire and just have them watch me burn. Because I was so excited. How in the world can a guy that had such stage fright that he'd be passing out and throwing up in a bathroom before a 90-second uh, you know, uh, presentation in front of your grade 12 class and having absolutely no problem speaking in front of thousands now? I have no problem. Why? It's not because of me. It's because I went for God. And as I went for God, I just kept giving it away. I just kept giving it away. I just keep giving it away. Why? Because that's God's heart. Generational thinking. We have to transition from seeing the example to being the example. Second thing is this. We have to transition from receiving to giving. Not God give me, but God I give. It's about an open hand policy. It's about giving away everything God's given to you. Whatever He gives you, give it away. Pour out your life every day like a sacrificial offering for His people. It's not about living to get a return. It's about giving a return. That's the heart of God. The third thing is this. We have to transition from I wish to I will. How many have ever lived their life thinking I wish things would change? I wish things would turn around. I wish something would go and turn around in my season. Lord Jesus, I wish. And He's saying, no, it's not about I wish. It's about I will. 
I will lead by example. I will overcome. I will crush the enemy's head like little Colton said in his text. I will pass the baton of faith to the next generation. It's not, I wish I could. I will. That's Colton language. Amen? It's a shift of your thinking. Why? Because God is a generational God. You want proof? Daniel chapter 4, verse 3. It says, how great are His signs. How mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And His dominion is from generation to generation. Generation to generation. I want to end with one thought. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 to 17 says this, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, that word instructor translated literally means child care service, babysitter, play candy crush for three hours while your kids are blowing up the house, take their free 20 bucks and go home. You know what I'm saying? It's never happened at our house. But anyhow, it's all good. It's all good. You have many instructors in Christ. People that are giving you information, but ultimately don't care about your soul. Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful next generation baton passing son who will remind you of my acts who will remind you of my ways thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from impact church we hope and trust that this message encouraged you if you want to find out more information about our church check us out online at www.impactkingston.com 